I want to I want to speak to you on Ephesians 6. It's the best chapter of Ephesians. It's about war. All the men say yay. Come on. <laughs> we like war. Okay, let me pray for us and you can sit down afterwards. Father, we commit this message into your hands. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us, minister to us, awaken us, Lord, to the spiritual realities around us, and let your kingdom come this morning. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. So we've been working through Ephesians. We're speaking about glorious, a glorious church. And, uh, and I want to speak to you this morning about the spiritual realities around us. I don't often do this. So if you are not a Christian or you're not a full on in the game, this is going to be interesting for you. So, but just sit back, relax, enjoy the ride. If, it does, if anything doesn't make sense, just breathe. But for the rest of us, I, I really want to speak about this. And I said, I don't often do this. I don't speak about uh, the demonic. I don't often speak about the devil because I don't want to put the focus on him. But the scripture says, the scriptures say that we need to, we, we should not be ignorant of the schemes of the enemy or the devices of the enemy. So my boy Vian, our boy, he's been having a few powerful encounters with God over the last month or two. And in one of the encounters, he, he saw a vision of Jesus. He's six years old. He, he saw Jesus appearing to him in his room. And then Jesus took him to church in, in this vision. And in church, he saw all these things going into people's heads. And he says, Jesus said, and it equips them to fight the devil. Now, my son likes that. <laughs> He also has been saying some really interesting things the last while. He somewhere heard one of the boys say to someone else, I'm going to kick you in your nuts. And uh, so he found out that's not a nice thing to say to someone. But he, sa- he sort of figured out it's okay to say it to the devil. So <laughs> I'm not completely sure if it's okay. <laughs> but it's every focus better. That's a better focus. <laughs> so he said yesterday, I'm gonna, Daddy, I'm going to kick the devil in his nuts. <laughs> it's a nice idea. It's a nice idea. I don't know how theologically correct it is, but it's a nice idea. Okay, so I want to I give you some background. We are in a spirit war. A spirit war, meaning there's, in the spirit realm, there are things happening that we can't see with our physical eyes or with our, with our physical senses. Many people are ignorant of the spiritual war, and that causes us to become sitting ducks. The enemy can take us apart because we're not aware. You see, the thing is, if we win the battle in the spirit, we will win the battle in the natural. But many of us are fighting natural fights. We're trying to solve a, a finance problem, a, a marriage problem, a... Uh, or business problem or whatever, we're trying to fix it in the natural, but it could possibly have a spiritual issue that you need to actually deal with. So it's important to be aware of these things. So to quick, quick background for those who are new to the game. <clears throat> okay, we have God. And God was in heaven 
and he's still in heaven. And there are angels in heaven. And from the scriptures we can deduce there were three main angels or archangels. And the one was Lucifer, the other one is Gabriel, and the other one is Michael. And what happened is Lucifer was beautiful, he became proud, he became full of himself. And he was all sort of, he was, was probably heading up the worship in heaven as well, musical, some of the scriptures imply that. And so he became proud, and he, there was a revolt in heaven. There was, it, this sounds like a movie, I know, but that's where they all get it, okay? That's where the movies got their ideas. And so there was this revolt in heaven. A third of the angels followed Lucifer, and there was full-on war in heaven, but they lost. The other two-thirds won. And so Lucifer and the third of the angels of heaven were cast out from heaven to earth, and they became demonic spirits. And so we can deduce from the scriptures as well that demonic spirits don't have a physical body, but they're looking for a house. They're looking for a home to live in. So there's a spirit war. So, so Lucifer was cast down. The other angels became demons. They were cast down. They live in the spirit realm, but they have one mission. They want to get back at God. They want to hurt God. How, and how are they going to do it? They're going to hurt mankind. Because we are loved by the Father. We are loved by God. He loves us. He, he made us in his own image. He made himself a family. He made himself a family. And so the enemy's mission is to destroy lives. And so let's look around us in society. Are we seeing destroyed lives? Yes, we are. We're seeing people, so many battling with depression or suicide, marriages falling apart, people battling with weird kinds of sins and alcoholism and drug addictions and people being angry and hateful. And Welcome to earth. <laughs> but this wasn't the original plan. But so, this war, the enemy is trying to influence people to destroy their lives. And so that's why more than just the, the bride of Christ, the church being the bride of Christ, the family of God, we are also the army of God. We are the army of God. There's a war, a spirit war that we are supposed to fight. But we need to be aware of the schemes of the enemy. We need to be aware of what he is doing. So this war is about getting back at God. And so the enemy wants to destroy lives. And I'm trusting that this morning some of us will, will be set free. Even as we are now, this week is encounter four, where we focus on freedom from these types of things. This war is about possession. These angels that have, been, that, that have fallen to the earth, they no longer have bodies but they are looking for bodies. And so from the scriptures, we can see that they can go into animals, even as Jesus cast out the 2,000 plus demons out of the demoniac and they went into the pigs. So they can go into animals, but they want to live in human bodies. They want to possess us. They want to torment us. They, wanna, they, they are hateful beings. They want to torment mankind. And so to give you a bit of a picture of how this works is your body is a house with many different rooms. The Bible says you are a temple of the Holy Spirit or a house of the Holy Spirit. So God wants to live on the inside of us. But we've got many different rooms. So if you are a Christian and you get deceived or the enemy lies to you or you fall for some of his tricks, what happens is there's this back room. You've got, say, 20 rooms, but in one of these back rooms, 
that door is closed and it's dark in there and the devil is hiding in there. He's, because you've, you've embraced these lies like, I hate myself. I hate myself. I hate myself. When I look in the mirror, I hate myself. When I see myself, I, I absolutely despise myself. Do you know that's not normal? And if we stay on that thing for long enough, it will actually become a stronghold, like a room in our, or a stronghold in our insides, in, in the spirit. And then this enemy will sit there and he will every now and again open the door and come out and torment us. And that's what happens to some Christians. They're not possessed, but they're tormented in one or another area. Okay, let me, let me give you a scripture so you, you can see I'm not speaking rubbish. Luke 11. 24. So I'm, I'm just quickly laying a foundation and then we're going to go into some of the schemes of the enemy. How he operates. This is Jesus speaking. Luke chapter 11, 24. It says, when an unclean spirit, okay? Demon spirits are called unclean spirits because they defile. They cause sinfulness and wickedness. So it says, when an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places. Seeking rest and finding none. He says, I will return to my house. I will return to my house. From which I came. And when he comes, he finds it swept and put in order. Then he goes and takes with him seven other spirits more wicked than himself. They enter and dwell there. And the last state of that man is worse than the first. Okay, so the few things that you can highlight. First of all, there are unclean spirits. Secondly, they are looking for a house. They want to live on the inside of us. They want to torment us. They want to mess with, with, with people. So, even Christians. And it says they, 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 they're looking around. And then they will bring, when they come back, they can actually bring some extra friends. So it happened here. There was a lady in church and she was involved in the occult previously. And she came to Christ and, and, uh, and the Lord delivered her. Of the, she, I remember she was here in the front. She came down. Not going to go all the details now, but she couldn't look me in the eye because she just saw glory, light. So she couldn't, she couldn't look me in the eye. The, the demon couldn't look me in the eye. Yay! Come on. <laughs> I like that. Devil, keep on encouraging me. And so, and as she came closer to me, she wanted to, to me to pray for her. She wanted to commit her life to Jesus. And as she came closer, she actually started to growl. So she started to growl. Nobody actually knew about this. So we just sat down, loved her, told the demon to go. And she was set free, was baptized later that day, and uh, became a Christian. But sometime later, she, com- she opened herself again to, to the demonic. And so she was in worship sometime later. She c- couldn't handle the presence of God. So she went out and someone went with her. They went to the bathroom areas there and then some other people came out and then they met her and then suddenly they found out it wasn't her there was something else speaking through her and so the demon said i brought some friends which i thought is quite funny (laughs) so it was the old one who came back and he brought some friends just as the the scriptures speak Okay, so it's important to understand. You can become free and open yourself again, and then the enemy can come back in to you. Someone that was involved in the occult obviously is more open to to these things than someone that was not. So it's important to understand that Jesus is the name above every other name. 
We are not afraid of evil. We're not afraid of the demonic. One of the biggest deceptions I believe that the enemy has sold, even modern Christianity, is there is no devil. There are no demons, you know. Because we, we don't experience it, we don't see it so often. Um, um, we're seeing it more and more, especially when we go and we travel places. We see more manifestations um, of the demonic. But when Jesus came to the earth, he went around preaching and he said he preached the gospel of the kingdom and he cast out demons and he healed the sick. Those are the three things he did. He preached the gospel of the kingdom. He said, guys, I've got good news. The kingdom of heaven is here. And everything that's contrary to the kingdom of heaven must give way. So de the demonic must give way. Sickness must give way. Everything that's contrary to heaven must go. So that's what Jesus came to do. Almost every time he went to a synagogue, he would cast out a demon. How's that for fun? That's a fun church service. <laughs> we, we had a, a bit of fun at the last Amplified service about a month ago. So uh, we were... You see, the reason we often don't see demonic manifestations is because the manifest presence of God isn't with us as, as, as I believe God wants it to be. So anyway, so we're in the service, and uh, I was, I told you, yeah, it's an exciting morning this morning. And um, so we were starting to pray for people, and then suddenly I felt God the Holy Spirit tell me there is a spirit of deliverance here right now. In other words, the Holy Spirit is here, the anointing is here to set people free from demonic oppression. So it's like there's a bush, and there are birds in the bush, and the Holy Spirit comes and we says, let's throw a rock into the bush, and out will come the birds. And that's sort of how it works. So, uh, so I said, the Lord is here. God is here to deliver people from, from the spirit of deliverance here. Even as I've had encounters with God where I've, I felt there's an anointing for healing and then people would physically be healed. And so the next moment I asked the one girl to just lie down. I felt she must just rest. And then three ladies in the venue became, started to manifest demons. One was quite loud. Others were quite interesting. And some of the people, some of our members here was like, whoa. Whoa, whoa. And I'm thinking that's good. You actually need to be exposed to these things so you can see that there's a real demonic war raging around us. So many of us have no idea, but we become, as I said, sitting ducks. So anyway, so I've seen that there's, there's weird things, that weird ways that people often do this. I have learned how do you deal with the demonic. It's very simple. You don't fear the devil and you love the person. So I just went to the person, put my hand on her, on her head. I told her, Jesus loves you. And she's screaming. I told her, Jesus loves you. He uh, is here. You are safe. I wasn't screaming. I was just saying, you're safe. Everything's fine. And she was still screaming. And then I told the demon to be quiet. And then she became quiet. I told the demon to go. And the demon went four or five minutes, I think. Free. Not major, but there was a spirit, there was an anointing for deliverance. A rock was thrown into the bush. Hello, let's shoot you, birdie, cheers. It's as simple as that. We have some serious weapons as Christians. 
We have serious, serious weapons. One of, one of the things that have increased my faith the most is when there are significant demonic manifestations and to see the authority I have in Jesus to tell it to go. And it goes. It's epic. And it's very biblical. The disciples were sent out. And they came back, about 70 of them, they came back to Jesus and said, Jesus, even the demons listen to us. We are so psyched. <laughs> Then he said, okay, guys, I know you're excited about that, but rather be excited about your name is written in the book of life. But I so relate to the disciples. Yes. <laughs> it's awesome. Eh, who wants to be a victim? Who wants to be afraid of, 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 of the devil? No, man. Jesus wasn't afraid. He just told them to go. The disciples did the same. So we shouldn't be afraid. Jesus has disarmed the enemy and he's given us authority. So look at this, Luke chapter 8, verse 1 to 3. It says, Now it came to pass afterward that he went, this is Jesus, through every city and village, preaching and bringing the glad tidings of the kingdom of God, saying, Guys, I have great news for you. There's freedom. You can be set free from your insomnia. You can be set free from your depression. You can be set free from your fear and your anxiety. You can be set free from your compulsive behavior. You can be set free from whatever is tormenting you in Christ. But how do we deal with things these days? Oh, I don't feel well. Let's go to the doctor. Let's get a pull. And the pull isn't the solution because it's not a physical problem. It's a spiritual problem. And the Lord spoke to me even with the stuff Sonic and I have been going through in terms of sleeplessness. Everybody's thinking, you know, it must be something physical. The Lord told me it is spiritual. And it is. Every time we pray and we get a breakthrough, she sleeps like a dream. Thank you, Jesus. Stop looking for the answer in the natural when the issue is spiritual. And so what also happens is so often we become so used to our bondage. We become so used to being in a spiritual jail that we become the thing. It's like, I am a fearful person. You know, when I'm in a, in a, in, in, in a, in a, with a group of people, um, I freak out. I can't do it. That's not normal. I believe that's spiritual. And, and as it was recent, we prayed with someone that would just freak out when anybody's near. Prayed, set free, enjoying church again. <laughs> Hallelujah. Okay, let me go on. Bring the glad tidings of the kingdom of God. So Jesus had good news. People of the world, I am here to set you free. And the twelve were with him and certain women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities. They were healed. They were set free from evil spirits and infirmities. One was Mary called Magdalene, out of whom had come seven demons. So I just want to say, if you've ever been delivered, you're in good company. Mary Magdalene in the scriptures, nothing to feel bad about. Okay, so Ephesians 1, just quickly, and then I'm going to get into Ephesians 6. Ephesians 1, last week, spoke about sonship, spoke about Godfidence, a confidence in God. So Ephesians 1, 19, the apostle Paul prays, and, and he says, Guys, I pray for you that you would realize the power you have, that you would realize the authority that you have. So it says, what is the exceeding, I'm praying for you that you would know what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe. According to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead 
and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all principality and power and might and dominion, every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So in short, that's a mouthful. Jesus is ascended above every name that is named, every power, every principality. That means demonic spirits that rules over regions or cities, etc. I can't go into all the details now. Jesus has ascended. He's overcome. And he's saying, I pray that you would know the power that you have in Christ. For instance, this is a good example would be Second World War. The Allies have won it. The Japanese have surrendered. It's official. The generals have everything. The paperwork, it's done. The battle has been won by the Allied forces. Yet there's a little island in the Pacific Ocean where there's a POW camp, a prisoner of war camp, and the Japs are still going on there. They still, people, the, the, the Allied Soldiers are still in the prison. They're still being tortured every day. They're still going through the whole thing. Although the war has been won. You see, Jesus won the war for us. It's been won. It's finished. It's done. But now we need to enforce that victory. So imagine yourself. You're going to the island with your little battles, your, your massive battleship on which its side is written Calvary. That's where Christ died, Calvary, the victory of Calvary. So you have this battleship next to the island. You go to the, the, the commander of the prison camp. You give him the official document. You're saying, let the people go. This war is over. It has been won. Let them go. So you have the authority from the top to say, let them go. If. The commander says, well, I don't want to listen to your authority. Then you have the battleship right behind you with the turrets. Just and if you don't, I'm going to use power. I'm going to take you apart. In Jesus' name. It's like the presence of God, the power of God backing. You see, we have authority and power. Jesus said, behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. It's a good scripture to know. But we have Calvary with us. The victory has been won. The war has been won. Now we must just go enforce, enforce, enforce the, 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 the war that's been won. Okay, and then the Apostle Paul further says, he, he praying that you may realize. In the last verse there, just when I focus on the last one there, it says, Therefore... No, 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 we am now. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church. He put all things under his feet. Quick question. Who is the feet of Christ? Who is the feet? Who's the body of Christ? Good time to raise your hand. You are. We are. You are the body of Christ. Jesus says, or the word of God says, God has placed the highest, most powerful demonic powers under his feet. The lowest, most insignificant Christian on the face of this earth is higher than the most powerful demonic power and Lucifer himself, Satan himself. 
Whoa, that's good news. Do you know how many Christians are afraid of the devil? In other words, we have more faith in the devil than we have faith in the living God and the victory of Calvary. Now, God wants to set us free. Okay, so how does he set us free? Let's look at this. Ephesians 6. Just going to quickly read it and just pop out one or two ideas. Ephesians 6 verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Okay, be strong in him. Put on the whole armor of God. Say it, armor of God. That you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Put on the armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the wiles or the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, rulers of the darkness of the age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. So we do not fight against people. So many of us fight against people when we should actually be fighting a spiritual fight in Jesus' name. Could we maybe up my aircon over there? I'm someone with a remote. It's getting hot here. You're breathing too much. Stop breathing. Stop breathing. Just hold it. Just hold it. Yes, you can move. You may move. Okay, so it says there, Therefore, in verse 13, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. Okay, so let me... I'm just going to put on one or two ideas. There are two armies. The one is the army of evil. The other one is the army of God. You and I are part of this army. The enemy shoots flaming arrows to us to try and... Um, sort of the first phase of the attack. He starts off with flaming arrows and then he moves into, into the next level. So how does it work? A flaming arrow is a thought, a thought that comes to us, and you need to evaluate what is, what is happening in your thought life. Okay, let me give, me, let me give you a few, few examples, a few tricks that the enemy uses. The first one, or one of the first he uses, is the, the arrows of division. So, you and your spouse having a lovely time. Suddenly... A thought pops into your head and in her head and all out war breaks out. Full on war. It's just like suddenly we're missing one another. Your emotions are into it. You are just wanting to fight or she wants to fight. But some, you're missing one another and everything was fine but suddenly nothing is fine. Anybody ever experienced that? Come on, all the honest Christians. Yes, yes. So about a week and a half ago, and it's happened twice now with me and my wife over the last two weeks, but we like, we worship together. I mean, because we decided we're going to, we're going to, we on the attack. We're going to worship God. So now we're worshiping and we almost into the presence of God. And suddenly I get this weird idea in my head and I'm angry about something. And she gets another of something else in her eye and she's upset. And we're in the midst of worship. And then we miss one another. And it happened another time as well. We were just about to worship and suddenly idea pops in my head, idea pops in her head. And we're like, whoa. And, 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 and it's so powerful because it, 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 it has unction. It moves you. It's not like just a random idea. It doesn't have power. It moves you 
to divide. It moves you to fight. It moves you to, your emotions is saying, don't hold back. Just go for it. (laughs) And when you hear that, run. Run, baby, run. But it's like a spirit of division. It's like an arrow that was shot because we were united. We were one. And so the enemy shoots the arrow trying to get us to fight against one another. And he stands off in the corner laughing. (laughs) They fell for it. They fell for it again. It's like an arrow of division. But it's just the first phase. It's just the first step. The next phase is... I say something I shouldn't have. She says something she shouldn't, shouldn't have. And we all say stuff that we wish we never said. And, 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 and it can spiral into chaos where you actually wound one another. And is, you're fighting against one another, wounding one another, so that the enemy can come into phase two. Phase two is now I come to torment you. Your husband doesn't love you. Look at what he said. Etc. Etc. Does it make sense? You need to discern this. I believe there's an assignment to divide marriages. I honestly believe it. I know in general, but I believe at this time, there are assignments to divide marriages. Don't fall for it. You see, all your, your, your thoughts are not always your own thoughts. All your thoughts aren't your own thoughts. The enemy plants thoughts. She's a controlling woman. She just wants to control you. She wants to treat you like a child. Let's rumble. (laughs) For the ladies in the house, treat your man like a child and he will act like a child. (laughs) It freaks us out, okay? Treat us like men. (laughs) But the enemy comes and plants things like... Your wife is trying to do something. She's actually trying to love you and she's trying to, to nurture you. She's trying to, to get closer to you and you see it as controlling, controlling, you know. And the enemy comes and he pops it. She's controlling. He said, I knew it. I had this suspicion. The, the, the attack is on our thoughts, our thought lives. This is where it starts. It begins, it pops in that thought. Or maybe it's a, a spirit of an arrow of temptation. You're walking down somewhere and this idea pops into your head like a weird, wacky, maybe a lustful thought. You're thinking, yeah, whoa, where did that come from? And the enemy falls up with, yeah, you're such a lustful man. And then, yeah, I think maybe I am. Oh, well, stuff it. Then let's be lustful. <laughs> no. You're walking down, and the thought comes, you like a lustful thought, and you're thinking, yay, that's not me. That doesn't come from me. For instance, you could also walk into an environment, and other people's, I don't want to be too new agey, but it's like your aura, okay? The new agers speak about aura. But it's, I think it's biblical in the sense that every person carries a certain spiritual atmosphere. So you're walking into the gym, and there are some certain interesting spiritual atmospheres in the gym. And then suddenly, you're like, whoa, where does this come from? And you can start thinking it's you. Or as we've had situations with people that actually work in, like, in asylums, people where, where people are not, not great in their heads. Um, 
And, and what happens is people, Christians that work in those environments, they pick up that spirit and they become feeling they're insane. I'm insane. I'm insane. I'm insane. But there's the other people that have a spirit of insanity, but it jumps on you because you're in their environment. So you need to put on your armor, the whole armor of God. You need to be aware so you can walk into that environment and address it and deal with it. Don't make someone else's spiritual atmosphere your spiritual atmosphere. Okay, be aware. Be aware. We, we, we set the atmosphere. We set the atmosphere. And so anyway, so there's a few things that, um, like the helmet of salvation is the one thing that helps with it. The breastplate of righteousness is another thing of the armor of God that helps us with, with that. The breastplate of righteousness is basically saying, okay, God, I thank you that I am righteous. I am holy. And it protects. Even when these things come from the outside, I am protected and blessed. Another one would be, Arrows of lies in the midst of challenging circumstances. Imagine this for a moment. Something bad happens. Someone dies. Family member dies. Or you're going through, you lose your business. Or massive financial problems. But something bad happens. How do you deal with it? What happens? Do you know what happens? I don't think the devil caused it necessarily. But he jumps on it when it happens. He comes and tells you, so where's your loving God? Ah, so you say he's good. Look at this. Look at this. Where was your God? So he comes and accuses. He brings lies to us in the midst of very challenging circumstances. So that we'll take the bait, become bitter towards God, and turn away from him. It so often works like that. I recently this week spoke to someone, last week spoke to someone, a family member died some years ago, and the results have been horrific. Because the enemy ch- climbed onto that thing. And they embraced that lie, those lies. And that's why we need to put on the, we need the shield of faith. Bible says the shield of faith. Put on, take the shield of faith to quench the fiery darts of the enemy. Okay, and last one. Arrows of deception. Arrows of deception. So for instance, let's say um, there's these two armies. The, the one enemy army is shooting its arrows. You're standing over here in the army of God. A lustful arrow hits you or a temptation like I want to walk out of my marriage or, 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 or whatever. But a temptation hits you. It strikes you. No one knows. No one has seen it. How do you deal with it? Well, you go to your soldier buddy and you say, hey, I, I got struck by this arrow. Help me out here. Pull it out. And they can help you and pull it out. But sometimes there's arrows of deception. You don't even see it. It hit you in the back. So you're not, you're not even aware. So now one of the captains of the army is walking around and saying, Whoa, I see an sp- arrow of deception has hit that person. How are you going to deal with that? So now the captain or the leader in the church comes to you and say, Hey, I see this blind spot in your life. Can I, can I help you to pull it out? <laughs> Because I can see you're on your way to destruction. You, you have embraced something that is contrary to Scripture, that's contrary to the very character of God. It's going to kill you. But if you have embraced a spirit, an orphan spirit, as I shared about last week, you're going to say, I don't trust leaders. They just like this and this and this, so you would run the other way. Again, it speaks about community. Okay, spirit of deception, lies, and we actually need one another to deal with those things. And there are many others. Another example would be a spirit of accusation. You're at work and suddenly your business 
your boss or your colleague suddenly comes at you and they rip you apart. They like, and you think, where does this come from? Where does this come from? I want to say to you, it comes from the enemy. He's trying to get to you. He's trying to get to you. Because if he gets to your heart, if you say, whoa, well, if that's true, or you become angry and hateful and unforgiving and bitter, it disconnects you from God and from, from, from changing the atmosphere. Okay, anyway, so arrows, it's the first phase. It's the first phase, then it moves into the hand-to-hand combat, which says we wrestle not with flesh and blood, but with enemy powers. Okay. There's just something out there. Be aware of the schemes of the enemy. The last bit of Ephesians 6. There's a few of the different arrows. The last bit of Ephesians 6. It speaks of praying always with all prayer. Verse 18. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit being watchful to this end. So I just want to end off with something about prayer. And something about worship. Do you know what worship is? It's you focusing on God. You're saying, God, you're glorious. God, you're powerful. God, I love you. And then as you're doing that, God moves off. He whacks the enemy. He comes back and he tells you, awesome man of war. You think, I didn't do anything. I was just worshiping. I was just worshiping. It's the power of worship. The power of worship. Okay. So I want to take you to this last verse concerning prayer. On, on Thursday evening, I felt the Lord speak to me that he wants to hear our voices. He wants to hear your voice. Look at this. This is Daniel chapter 10. Daniel was fasting for 21 days. 21 days he was seeking the face of God. And then an angel appears to him, he gets the scare of his life, he falls on the ground, and the angel has to touch him to strengthen him again so he can stand up. Then the angel speaks, then he says, then he said to me, do not fear Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. Let's say it, your words were heard. And I have come because of your words. So there's an angel that says, from the first day you spoke, from the first day that you set your heart to understand, to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. And I have come because of your words. Okay, follow me. So the first thing is, the words we speak are powerful. Pray, worship. Now the next bit, look at this. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days. So an angel is saying there was another demonic power, a prince over this region of Persia. He withstood me 21 days. And behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me. For I have been left alone there with the kings of Persia. So this angel is saying there's a war happening in the spirit realm. And the words you spoke, Daniel, caused me to be sent by God to you. But it took me 21 days of fighting, of warfare, with these other demonic powers before I could break through. And he's saying later on, I'm going back again to fight some more. 
How many of us give up after we've prayed our five minutes? Oh, Jesus, help me today. No, I didn't go better at work today. Prayer doesn't work. Prayer doesn't work. No, we can see from this, God wanted to help Daniel. God wanted to make it happen, but he had to keep on pressing in and pressing through until breakthrough. There is a spirit war happening at this moment. And our prayers can empower the the angels of heaven, the powers, the forces of heaven to fight and to win. I believe the Lord is saying this is a house of prayer. I believe the Lord is saying to us that he wants to hear every voice. He wants to hear your voice. He wants to hear your voice in prayer. He wants to hear your voice in worship, yes, but also in prayer. He loves you and he wants to hear your voice. Are you hearing his Is he hearing your voice? Is he hearing your voice? I believe for us, if we want to take Southernwood, if we want to see this church plant happen, we need to go into a season of prayer. A season of warfare. A season of pressing in until we win the battle in the spirit. So that people on the earth can respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Okay. So I just want to put this out there. I want to I call forth the intercessors. I want to call forth the prayer warriors. Which I believe is every Christian. I want to ask you to partner with us in prayer. So we can shift things in the spirit and see the kingdom of God come. Amen. Okay, please stand with me. And the band come forward. There's a lot I still would have liked to break open, but there's no time. Go read Ephesians 6. It speaks of the, the armor of God, the different parts of the armor of God that we need to, that we need to put on. Hallelujah. Okay, so I want us to awaken to the realities of the spirit war. I'm going to continue tomorrow evening at Encounter 4. We're going to break this open further. We're going to speak about the process of deception and how the enemy tries to deceive us, the different steps in a sense, and how the enemy tries to, to wound us, and how we can actually deal with that. I didn't get to all the ways of dealing with it now. So if you want to join us for Encounter 4, just register after the service but as long as we are ignorant of the schemes of the enemy we will find ourselves puppets victims do you want to be a victim a victim of fear a victim of intimidation a victim of lies deception division I think there are so many marriages falling apart simply because they're not aware that the enemy is gunning for them. The enemy is a devil in the house and he needs to get out. And you need to take authority and chase that devil out.